Well, hey, uh, that's fun. That's fun for me to be able to give away gifts that are really weird and random. So um, no gift receipt for that, by the way. <laughs> you just, you're stuck with it. So. Hey, if you've had a baby any time in the last 30 years or so, you're probably familiar with the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, right? There's more than 17 million copies in print. And that doesn't even count all the copies that get handed down from one mom to another. It is the mother of all pregnancy books. And uh, despite the fact that it was written by a woman who had yet to deliver her first child, that's pretty crazy, uh, it's still very, very popular. In fact, 93% of American women who read pregnancy guides have read what to expect when you're expecting. But not all of the advice in the book has stood the test of time. That's often the way it is with baby advice. Any pregnant woman will tell you that people are more than happy to offer unwanted, unwarranted advice if they know that you're expecting. And man, over the years, there's been a lot of bad baby and parenting advice. I came across some this week. I got to share some with you. In fact, I found some advice in a pregnancy guide written by monks. Let that sink in for just a second. Yeah. But here's some of the stranger advice that I found. In the early 1900s, the the common bit of advice, very common in fact, was uh, don't touch your baby very much. Just handle your baby as little as possible. Maybe that's why people in old photos look so grumpy all the time. They didn't get (laughs) hugs. Uh, In 1932, the U.S. government said you should start potty training your child right after they're born. I can't imagine why that didn't catch on more, you know. Uh, uh, this one's my favorite. By the f- 1950s, air travel became so increasingly popular, right? That meant you sometimes had to take your baby on a plane. But don't worry, don't worry. Someone invented the Skycot. And this is a device that fit up in the overhead bin so your baby could, <laughs> could nap up there while you... I am not making that up. The Skycot's a real thing. Uh, if you survived the Skycot in the 60s, uh, you got this bit of advice. Give your baby black coffee starting at about six months of age. And uh, also bacon and eggs starting at about six weeks. Yeah. And not all parenting advice stands the test of time, does it? And there's no shortage of advice. And, and that's in part because we all want to know what to expect. Uh, whether it's uh, having a baby or really any time that we face an unexpected situation, we all want to know what's coming. What do we expect? Uh, we all want to know what's, what's coming down the line. And, and expectations, that's exactly what I want us to talk about today. Christmas is really a time of, of expectations. As you're making plans for your family gatherings, you're wondering what gifts might be under the tree, or you're called unexpectedly out of your seat so you can get Play-Doh. You know, we all have expectations this time of year. It's the season for expectations. And so in our time together this morning, I want to share just a couple of specific expectations that we should all have this Christmas. Uh, two expectations that are going to guide us, not only this Christmas, but, but all, all the time. And we can lean on these two ideas when we're facing unexpected situations. So that's our, our roadmap today, two expectations. And if you've been with us over the past couple of weeks, you know we've talked about some of the different characters that make up the Christmas story. We talked about the family tree of Jesus a couple of weeks ago, rather sketchy characters, a really unexpected family line that produced the Savior of the world. Last week, we talked about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, his own personal journey, and we talked about the way that God guided him in unexpected ways, right? Well, this morning, we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, She had a very unexpected, a very unique calling, bringing life into the world through her son. 
son, Jesus, and she certainly faced an unexpected situation, right? She gets this announcement, this, this message from an angel, and Ed leaves her with more questions than answers, frankly. She's facing a whole new unexpected situation. But she manages to find a place of peace, a place of hope, even in the face of a very, very tough situation. And that's my hope for us this morning. As we look at the Christmas story, as we look at Mary in particular, that I want each of us to be able to find hope and peace for our own unexpected situations. Because each of us is either facing now or or soon will be a tough situation, a place where we don't know what to do next. We don't know what might happen next. And and, and we're going to see today in Mary's response, we're going to see a way that we can respond with faith, with hope and peace, even in the midst of unknown situations. So let's read the Christmas story together. And we're going to be in the, uh, the book of Luke. You can turn to Luke 1. And as we get started, let me just encourage us not to, not to skim over, not to zone out on this story. Even though it's familiar to a lot of us, almost all of us, we want to read it with, with fresh eyes and fresh ears this morning because I think one of the, the challenges for us is we become so familiar with the, the basic story of Christmas that we lose sight of the, the miraculous nature of it all. We lose sight of what it can really mean for us, and, and we lose sight of the fact that it's so very unexpected. It's like childbirth, right? I mean, babies are born all the time, all around the world, and yet it doesn't make it any less miraculous when it happens. It's an amazing thing. It's the same with the Christmas story. It leads us to uh, the first expectation we should have. The first expectation we want is we should expect the impossible. Expect the impossible. The Christmas story is full of, of seemingly impossible things. In fact, at one point, this angelic messenger has to remind us all that nothing will be impossible with God. So as we expect the impossible, let's look at fresh eyes with the Christmas story. Luke 1, we're going to start in verse 26. You can find it on the screens if you don't have a Bible with you. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. So this is an impossible situation, but just as if God knows that we're thinking that right there in verse 37, this angel reminds Mary and us, nothing will be impossible with God. But just stop and and ponder this story. Here's Mary living her life, going along like normal, 
when this happens, something unexpected. And we, and we don't know anything about Mary, really. She's probably a teenage girl, just a normal girl, nothing special about her, a poor girl, probably a poor family. In fact, she's probably the exact opposite of what everybody might have been expecting. But God loves to use unexpected people and unexpected circumstances to teach us things. And so Mary, the last person anybody would expect for this unique role, this unique task, finds herself in a very unexpected situation. And for us, when we find ourselves in hard situations, when things don't go the way we should, then, then our first reaction is usually, oh, why me? What, why, why did I, what did I do to deserve this? But for Mary, notice how this angel comes to her. He says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And just that opening statement right there is helpful. Just a reminder that the Lord is with us. Even when unexpected things happen in our lives, we shouldn't assume that they catch God off guard. Nothing surprises him. Nothing will be impossible for him. So maybe the first thing for us to remember when we expect the impossible is that when we face seemingly impossible situations, we don't face them alone. The Lord is with us. For Mary, though, notice her reaction. It says she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. In other words, uh, hey, are you the good witch or the bad witch? Right? I've never seen an angel. The Lord is with me. Are you the Lord? I mean, just imagine how confusing and overwhelming the whole thing would have been. And he says, no, 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 this is good news. The angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary. Why? Because she's scared to death. But what I want us to focus on specifically is her response. This angel appears to her, and I don't know what that looks like, but, but Luke tells us her response. She was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. So she's worked up, she's deeply troubled, and a lot of people kind of get hung up on Mary's final response. She says, may it be done to me according to your word, as if Mary doesn't have a lot of questions, she just has blind faith, but that's not the case. She doesn't say, oh, how wonderful, an angel has come and speaking to me. No, 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 the text tells us her first response, well, her first response is fear, but then she wondered what kind of greeting this could be. And, th and that word wondered, it's not really a, a great translation. The, the Greek word there means to, to think or to reason carefully about something. It, it's weighing the matter carefully. It's an accounting term originally. So it, it means to me, you're adding things up. You're, you're making sure this all makes sense. You're, you're pondering it, intensely rational thought. Of course, she's troubled. Any normal person would be troubled by such an experience. And she's asking, am I really seeing an angel? Is this a hallucination? What is going on here? She doesn't immediately accept the message, but she says, how can this be? So I say, we should expect the impossible because really that's what happens to Mary. And she doesn't actually expect it, but she's willing to consider it. She's willing to go on the journey with the Lord. And in a way, that's faith. That's a kind of faith, being willing to consider the impossible. And putting one foot in front of the other, trusting God to guide us as we take one step after another. And Mary shows us that kind of faith it doesn't mean she has to set aside her intellect. She responds to this angel's message eventually saying, may it be done to me according to your word. She responds in faith, but her faith is not blind faith. Her faith has, has accounted for the impossible. So she's not saying, oh, it's so clear now, I get it, or, oh, I love this plan, I'm so excited to be a part of it. She's saying, it doesn't all make sense to me, 
but I'm going to trust. I'm going to follow. And that's an important kind of expectation. The expectation that there's things out there that we can't easily explain away. Things that don't fit into a, a neat box. People will totally reject Jesus sometimes because it doesn't come all together for them. Rationally, emotionally, personally. It either clicks or they are, are totally done with Jesus. No faith at all. But that's not how life works. Coming to us in a neat and tidy package like that? No. Sometimes you can only do what Mary does. Just submit, trust, despite some fears and despite some reservations. That gives you a foothold for moving forward. And that's what faith looks like, being willing to consider the impossible. So at the end of her conversation with the angels, she says what I hope that that you and I can say. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. That's faith. Faith that's willing to consider the impossible. Maybe you've heard an an old uh, tried and true definition of faith. There's a saying that that perfect faith is the faith that moves God. Maybe you've heard people say that. In other words, we, we should all have faith that's so strong, so sure of God that God is moved or somehow impressed by our faith and so he, he acts on our behalf. He, he does things because we have faith that he'll do things. And, and I'm all for strong faith. There's no doubt about that. But, but I prefer a slightly different understanding of faith. Maybe you've heard this uh, slightly different definition. Perfect faith is the faith that moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like he's moving. Perfect faith is the faith that moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem like he's moving. Perfect faith is the kind of faith that says, hey, things are not going the way that I thought they would. My plans for my life have drastically changed, but that's okay. And it's okay not because we're going to try to keep powering through, continuing on with our plans, or we're going to try to squeeze God into our plans. But instead, we can respond just like Mary does here. We can say, okay, God, not my plans, but your plan. May it be done to me according to your word. That's the kind of faith that Mary demonstrates and the kind of faith that God wants for each of us. Perfect faith is, is what Mary says. Perfect faith says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Because we all have expectations, expectations about the way our life is going to go. Most of the time, what we expect and what we get are not the same. That was true for Mary. It's true for us. Things happen to us. Things happen that we can't control. Sometimes things happen because of choices we made, bad decisions, whatever. But sometimes we just get hit over and over again with the unexpected, things that just don't fit in our plans. And just like when it feels like there's no hope, here comes God. The Lord is with you. We can expect the impossible because nothing is impossible with God. He has a way of working in the world, of working in our lives that just can't be easily explained. And it can't always be anticipated. The best thing we can do when we face the unexpected is to face it with courage, knowing that God is up to something good. We can expect the impossible. There's one more thing we can expect, one more thing that this Christmas story has to teach us. After Mary has this encounter with this angel, after this impossible situation is revealed to her, she responds with faith, and then she responds with worship. 
And that response is a bit surprising when you think about her situation. Let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes again. Uh, We have this perception of Mary as sort of meek and mild, but she's really a tenacious and resilient woman. Think about just some of the moments in her story. She was no doubt subjected to the scorn and judgment of being an unwed mother. She was subjected to disgrace. Even her own fiancé planned to leave her. At nine months pregnant, she's sent on this grueling journey to Bethlehem. You know, we, we depict her on Christmas cards and such, riding on a donkey, but the Bible doesn't say anything about that. It's, it's likely that she walked 70 miles from Nazareth. Once she gets to Bethlehem, the only place she has to rest and deliver her baby is a, is a little cave or structure, whatever, attached to the residence where the animals were brought in at night. Then Herod wants to kill her baby, so she and her family flee on another grueling journey to Egypt. She becomes a refugee. Twelve years later, we see her again. Mary and Joseph visit Jerusalem for the Passover festival, and they actually leave Jesus behind in the city. Just imagine her anxiety trying to find her 12-year-old son in this huge crowd, moving on dangerous roads, hoping he hadn't been kidnapped or sold into slavery, right? Finally, Mary's present at the, the agonizing, humiliating hours-long execution of her own son. Yet through all this, she never lost her focus on God and what he had called her to do. And even though she didn't know all the hard things that were coming her way, she could anticipate some of them. But for her, she didn't expect the difficulty as much as she expected something else. Her response to this angelic message helps us understand the second expectation we should have. After this visit, she goes, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and she's processing all these things, and she responds with worship. She actually breaks out into song, and it seems a little uh, strange for us to get this impossible news and break out into song, but I love the way that one Bible scholar describes it. He says, perhaps for you, it would be the news that someone close to you who had been very sick was getting better and would soon come home. Perhaps it would be the news that your country had escaped of uh, tyranny and oppression. You could look forward to a new time of freedom and prosperity. Perhaps for you it would be seeing that the floods which had threatened your home were going down again. Perhaps it would be the message that all your money worries or, or business worries have been sorted out and you could relax. Perhaps it would be the telephone call to say you'd been given the job you'd always longed for. Whatever it might be, you would do things that you normally would not. You might dance round and round with a friend. You might shout and throw your hat in the air. You might phone everybody you could think of and invite them to a party. You might sing a song. You might even make one up as you went along. If you lived in any kind of culture where rhythm and beat mattered, it would be the sort of song you could clap your hands to or stomp your foot on the ground. Well, that's exactly how Mary responds. She breaks into song. And this song teaches us what we should expect. Look at the song with me down in verse 46. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, of Yahweh. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. So she worships God. She recognizes that her story is part of a much bigger story. She expects something so much bigger and better is going to happen with her life. She was willing to expect the impossible, and her faith is rewarded as she understands that that God is doing something so much bigger for her and for her plan for her life. Even though things are not going the way she thought they would, she's not upset, she's not bitter. Instead, she goes on, she says this, Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and His name is Holy. Mary sees the big picture of God's rescue mission. 
She sees the the powerful connection between her story and God's story in a way that she offers this song of praise. In fact, we only see Mary one time, really, between uh, Jesus' birth and when she appears at the foot of the cross as Jesus is dying. We only see her one time at a wedding party. The host runs out of wine, could be very embarrassing, bring disgrace to the family, and Mary tells the staff, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Just follow Jesus. That's what she says. She knows that there is something greater, a more powerful story at play, and she trusts God through Jesus to bring that out in her life. So this thing that Mary expects, the thing that we should expect, is we should expect something eternal. Eternal. Mary came to understand that her life, her little moment in time, was just one thread in the great rescue story and redemption story that God is writing. She goes on in her song, she says this, His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he spoke to our ancestors. She knows that that God has been at work for generations, since Abraham. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And she knows that this little baby to be born is not just for her, but it's for everybody on earth. She even has you and I in mind as she sings out this song of worship and praise. She knows that something eternal is at work. And that's why she can say, I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. So we should expect something eternal. We've got to recognize that God is doing things in our lives, in our world, that are not just for the here and now. They're forever. Things that have an impact not just today, but for all time. So in light of that, in light of all that, I want us to do something we don't normally do, something that might make us a little uncomfortable. But Mary was uncomfortable. She turned out all right. So... Here's how I want us to kind of close our time together. For some of you, you, may, you maybe you're saying, well, within the past couple of weeks, I've been hit this Christmas season. I've been hit with something I was not expecting. Uh, maybe for you, it was a job loss or a change at work. Maybe for some of you, there's tension in your marriage all of a sudden. I didn't see that coming. For some of you, you got bad news about your health or the health of a child or the health of a parent, health of somebody you love. For some of you, it's, it's something else at work, but... But whatever it is, now there's something unexpected in your life and you're thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with this? I wasn't expecting this. I don't know what to do. I really just want this to go away. I don't know what to do about this. Honestly, it's, it's hard for me to trust God with this staring me in the face. It's very difficult to trust God with all the uncertainty that this thing brings to my marriage or this brings to my family life or this brings to my career, all the uncertainty this brings into my future, right? I don't know what to do about this. Maybe that's where you're at. But God wants you, and my hope for you too, is that you would be able to say, like Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I didn't expect this, God, but I'm going to trust you. So here's what I want us to do. In just a minute, if that's you, if you're facing something unexpected and you don't know what to do with it, in just a minute I'm going to ask you to to do something that's going to pull us out of our comfort zone a little bit. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute. And I want you to hold it up, and I want you to keep it up because you are not alone. We, we have all been there. And, and just because other people around you may not be raising their hand, they could have raised their hand a month ago, or they might raise their hand a month from now. That's how life works. We've all been there. 
So if somebody around you raises their hand, then I want you to just pray for that person. And if you're close enough to them, if it's not too uncomfortable, just, just put your hand on their shoulder. Just let them know that, that they're not alone. And if you're comfortable, uh, I'd like for you to just pray out loud for that person. You don't have to know their circumstances or whatever, just to pray, hey, God, give this person the faith to, uh, to trust you in unexpected situations. Give them the faith that, to understand that just because they don't understand where this fits in the context of their life, that you do, God. And just because this took, takes them by surprise, it didn't take you by surprise. Just, just give them the faith and the courage to pray, just like Mary prays. I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. So I'm going to let you pray for a few seconds, and then, then I'll pray for all of us. So if you're here today, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I have been hit by some unexpected stuff. I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm a little afraid. I got some questions. I want to believe that something impossible could happen. I want to believe that I'm part of something bigger, something eternal. But I just need some courage and some faith to believe them. So if that's you, if you've got the, the faith and the courage just to do that, just raise your hand right now. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah, just keep it up there. Don't be shy. We've all been there. We've all been there. And somebody around you, if somebody around you has their hand raised, then just, just take a moment for the next few seconds. You can pray for those people. If you can't see them, you could still, still pray. And, and maybe you know somebody else in your life that you could be praying about. So just take a moment and just pray uh, for each other there. And then I'll pray for us. Let me pray for for all of us. Father God, we believe that nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing takes you by surprise. And God, I pray for every single one of us here, all of us who could say, I'm afraid. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know where to go from here. God, I pray that you would just give us the wisdom to know what to do with the things we've heard and, and the courage to just do it. And I pray really for for peace that just passes all human understanding, that you would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And Father, I also want to pray for for people who are here today and they're not sure where they stand with you. Uh, These kind of folks, it's been a long time since they prayed about anything. And I pray that even in this moment that they would experience your peace and your grace in, in such a way that it draws their hearts to you. And that we would not be afraid to to hope We would not be afraid to expect you at work, to expect the impossible. We wouldn't be afraid to to look into the future knowing that something eternal is happening because we believe that just as you were with Mary that first Christmas, that you're with us. You're Emmanuel. You're God with us. And we pray all these things in, in the name of Jesus. Amen.